This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiansen. And a good, good day to everyone out there listening to us on your preferred podcasting platform. Welcome to TPF Live, episode 87, with your host, Rob Tiansen. And I'm happy to have y'all listening to the fastest hour of racing talk. Nathan Solomon will be off the next couple of weeks, but he should be back for our late September or early October episodes, so never fear, he'll be back. But for now, it's a solo cast for these next couple of weeks, but we'll have a lot of fun here, wouldn't we say? So this is the, of course, post-Kansas pre-Bristol edition of our podcast. So a lot of playoff talk, of course, as always, in the world of NASCAR and the hot seat, of course. We wouldn't be able to have TPF Live without those interviews that you folks at home or at the racetrack like to hear. And on this edition of Hot Seat for this episode, we're going to have Daniel Hemrick, driver of the number 10 Colic Racing Chevrolet Camaro entry in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Hemrick will be making another appearance in the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs, and he's going to pursue his second career championship in that division with Colic Racing's trophy hunting car, or now, in this case, the double trophy hunting car because, of course, he's going to be pursuing the owner's and driver's championship in that ride. So we'll hear from Daniel a little bit later about why he's in that car versus the number 11 and also just about the life he's had so far with colleague, what he's learned, and, of course, the joys of fatherhood with raising his two kids with his wife, Kenzie. So looking forward to hearing from Daniel a little bit later. But we'll have a lot to get to on this podcast. So before we get to podium perspectives and hear my opinions, of course, on the latest happenings in the world of NASCAR, why don't we hear from our presenting sponsor, SpoilerDieCast.com. Hey, racing fans. Are you in the hunt for the latest diecast cars from Lionel Racing or F1 or IndyCar diecasts? Well, look no further. If you head to SpoilerDieCast.com, you'll find all of the latest and greatest diecast cars and get free shipping and 5% off of your orders if you use promo code TPF by spending $20 or more on your items. Head over to SpoilerDieCast.com and let Evan and his team know that you want the best diecast cards around. And if you use promo code TPF, you'll be in the winner's circle. It doesn't get better than that. So just head on over to SpoilerDieCast.com and make your latest purchases today. Use promo code TPF to get free shipping and 5% off your orders of $20 or more, folks. You can use that on pre-order items or in-stock items, and Evan and his team will get those in-stock items and eventual pre-order items that become in-stock items shipped out within four business days super fast, and you'll feel like a winner as a result of using that promo code by saving money and time and feeling like a champion. So use that promo code, folks. I'm telling you, you're going to have a great time with that. With that, folks, let's go ahead and head on over to Pony Perspectives, powered by SpoilerDieCast.com. This past Sunday at Kansas Speedway, it was the second race of the round of 16, or round number 29 of the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series championship season. It was a really competitive, action-packed race, despite the fact that Kyle Larson 
was quite dominant. He led 99 laps and looked like he was going to get his second win in as many weeks and fourth points-paying race victory of the season. Fifth if you count the All-Star race, of course, but it wasn't to be for Larson despite his determined effort. But we had a lot of movers and shakers at Kansas, including the fact that for a while it looked like Brad Keselowski may be winning the race. It looked like you know Chase Elliott was going to win the race. Then Denny Hamlin had a chance to win the race. And then, of course, we had the lap 262 caution for Chris Buescher, one of the playoff contenders, having a, a tire that went down and left some carcass on the track, of course, prompting the caution that led the lead lap contenders back on the pit road for those decisive pit stops. And by golly, those were some dramatic moments on pit road for those opting to stay out, those going for two tires, and those going for the four fresh tires. I mean, it was unpredictable as to what was going to happen here. But when we got to that overtime restart, Daniel Suarez was trying to sneak a victory, if you will, at the racetrack and didn't make it happen because he had a lot of determined drivers with fresher tires ready to pass him. And in fact, it looked like Joey Logano was going to come from out of nowhere in 15th place to the top five to potentially winning his second race of the season before Tyler Reddick took him three wide with a pass that was so gutsy, so daring, and so rewarding because Reddick drove on to his second victory of the 2023 season, and he punched his ticket into the round of 12, joining Kyle Larson. So he can breathe a little bit easier with, like Larson, going into Bristol, and uh, I would say the impact for him winning at... Uh, Kansas is going to be pretty monumental because Bristol's not a track you want to be below the cut or being a few points ahead of the cut line. A lot of craziness can happen, a lot of bumping, a lot of paint trading, cut tires, freight tempers, every little stress that could happen in most races, it's doubled in Bristol. So I'm saying for a fact that Reddick looks like he's making a case to be going further into the championship uh, round perhaps Kyle Larson. But these are the pendulum swings, folks. I mean, things can change. And it wasn't just a month ago that we were saying, oh, Chris Bush looks like he could be championship four contender material. And uh, now all of a sudden we're talking about Larson and Reddick, who, to be honest, both had up and down summers. They weren't like totally irrelevant, but they had some struggles along the way where when the four teams were winning and they were just happy to try to get top fives, top tens, and now we're seeing them step up to the plate, prove to us why they're the front runners in the NASCAR Cup Series. So for me, with Reddick winning and 2311 winning again at Kansas, it's the third time that that particular car, that the number 45 car, has won at Kansas. Pretty astonishing when you think about it, because of course it's with three different drivers, Kurt Busch in May of 2022. Bubba Walls last year when they put him in the number 45 car to go after the owner's championship. And now, last Sunday with Tyler Reddick, who is, of course, going for both the owner's and driver's championship with that 45 car. So congratulations, of course, to Tyler Reddick, 2311, and Billy Scott on having a fantastic race and finish in that race. He only led two laps, folks, but those are the two important laps to lead, the last and the checkered flag lap. So super exciting it wasn't boring and like daniel trotta said earlier this year on sirius xm radio kansas speedway is must-see racing so if you're thinking of going to a race next year folks i would i would definitely suggest kansas speedway great location great track a lot of action and i wouldn't doubt that we'll see more of the same 
when we get to know what dates this track's going to have next year. But certainly, we hope to see them having a great racing season next year. But for Reddick and Billy Scott, 2311, just focusing on having a good race at Bristol, but not having to worry about, hey, are we going to advance or not? It's just about building momentum for the round of 12, which will kick off next Sunday at Texas Motor Speedway, which I'll be at, of course, uh, with our team. So I'm looking forward to that. Let's talk about Parker Kligerman, folks. I mean, he's had quite the season so far with the number 48 Big Machine Racing spiked coolers ride that Scott Bruschetta owns. And, you know, when Parker got this opportunity ahead of this season, it, it was definitely a no-brainer. He has proven himself to be a competitive driver. He's been worthy of having a full-time ride. And the difficult part for him is he just never got that chance to be at a full-time ride. He He's kept himself relevant, of course, through his podcast, through being on NBC and USA's telecasts as a pit reporter, and he's never complained. He's never, you know, said, woe is me. He's taken every opportunity he can to be relevant and on the minds of car owners. Let's consider the fact that, of course, he also races for Henderson Motorsports' number 75 truck efforts in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series been willing to help out that small team and he's had, got those victories at mid-ohio of course last year and talladega um not too long ago too so parker of course is driving the 48 car he's been flirting with that top 12 trying to make the playoffs and in the summer it looked like well maybe he won't make it well maybe he will make it well when we got to daytona late last month he was able to get a really great finish and challenge Riley Herbst for that final position. And then Darlington happened, and then Kligerman and Sam Mayer made contact, and it ruined Kligerman's day, put him one point behind the cut line going into Kansas last Saturday. But he had the race of his life. He looked like a driver who was not thinking about just trying to make the playoffs. He looked like a driver who was trying to go and win the championship, folks. He was consistently inside the top five all race long in the Kansas Lottery 300. And he did it. He he kept himself out of harm's way, kept himself in contention, and it was rewarded with making the round of 12 as the 12th and final driver in the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs. Now, of course, that means he's below the cut line again if he wants to make it to the round of eight, but I don't think he's worried about that. I think he's worried about, all right, I've made it in. Let's go and have a strong Bristol race weekend and then try to nail it at Talladega and the Roval coming up in October, man, I'm a good road course racer. I could do something here. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot out of Parker Kligerman and his team and Patrick Donahue with nailing those setups so that Parker has more of those races like he did at Kansas, possibly get his first win. And if he does, ladies and gentlemen, I expect him to plant the flag where he could find the nearest patch of grass. So it was so fun to see him duke it out with Riley Herbst, and Herbst gave it everything he had. I mean, it was a really exemplary effort by the number 98 team. They never gave up. Even when they hit the wall or the fender was missing, they weren't quitting. They were like the T-1000 in the Terminator 2 movie. They were just not going to give up no matter what the damage was to their car. So you got to give Riley Herbst and that number 98 team a lot of kudos for definitely giving it their best, but in this case, Kligerman did a little bit better, and he and his team are in the playoffs, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do to try to make a deep championship run this season. 
And like he said during media day, I don't get to interview the stories. I get to be part of the mix. And if I get to be in the championship four, I may try to tell NBC, um, this is one race weekend I don't want to do on Sunday because I'm going to try to go after my championship here in Xfinity Series. And that would be pretty fun, wouldn't you say, folks? Now, this one's a bit of a spicy topic. I know it's kind of been brought up on a lot of places, of course, but, you know, Sirius XM's Daniel Trotta, I hope she's not getting too much heat. She's a great friend and mentor to me, but I think she had some really provocative, but honestly, genuine stuff to say about what happened on pit road between Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott when they were both racing off of pit road with the lead lap contenders after their pit stops. Now, just to set the scenario again, we had Chase Elliott going off of pit road. Tyler Reddick was on the outside. Kyle Larson was just about to exit his pit stall, and so was Brad Keselowski. So they were going four wide on a patch, like an area after the track, the pit road that you know may not be the most conducive to four wide uh, racing, albeit at pit road speed. Larson did his best to avoid the number six car, but unfortunately, he and Elliott got together, made a little contact. And at first it looked like, oh, it's going to be all bygones be bygones. But Elliott took exception to what Larson did, door slammed his car, and uh, luckily both drivers didn't suffer cut tires or much damage to their cars. But certainly it vexed Elliott because of what's happened in the past between himself and Larson, not just with what happened in 2022 at, at Fontana and Watkins Glen, Let's not forget the fact that Larson had this monster season in 2021, winning 10 races, 12 if you count the All-Star race, of course, and other races, 11 races um, in that season. He was just incredible. Elliott was coming off of 2020 as a defending champion in 2021, wins a handful of races to Larson's 10 races. And as Trotta said, she thinks there may be a bit of jealousy between Elliot and Larson. I can't, I'm not going to confirm that. I'm not going to say I've observed that because I'm not that close into the trenches. But it's not a far out thought to think that there is a bit of, I don't want to say resentment, but a little bit of uh, envy between Elliot with how Larson's been able to be one of the number ones, maybe the number one driver at Hendrick. Although you can make an argument for William Byron too, but... Elliot is an alpha dog. He wants to be the top driver at Hendrick, who doesn't want to be on any team. And in this case, Larson comes along and he's doing his job. He's keeping his head down and he's been successful at it. He's having a better season this time around versus last year. And quite honestly, could be a, a really serious championship contender. Whereas Elliot, unfortunately, he got injured earlier this year got suspended because of what happened between himself and Danny Hamlin at Charlotte. It's been a really frustrating season for Elliot, so I think a lot has been on Elliot's mind, a lot of lot has been on his plate. And to be honest, you know, he took his frustrations out on Larson. It's pretty easy to do that when you're not having the best of seasons. So I'm sure, of course, at the Hendrick campus, they've talked about this. They have tried to resolve this before it blows up. And no, Chase Elliott, this is not a media thing. This is not something that the press is blowing up. In this case, this is something that, honestly, we all saw with our own very eyes. Contact was made after that pit stop. So of course it's gonna capture people's attention. So maybe the next time around, try to deal with it behind closed doors or 
you know, have a conversation with Kyle, say what happened. It's a delicate situation for Mr. H, for Jeff Gordon, Jeff Andrews, all the leadership at Hendrick because you don't want to have a situation like what we saw in F1 with Ayrton Senna and Elaine Prost. You want them to get along, but that doesn't always happen. So Hendrick wants to avoid having a key controversy for those of you just learning about racing and wondering what the whole shabab was between Larson and Elliot, but I'm sure they'll get it sorted out, but it probably won't be the last time that we'll see these two have some kind of situation, but you want to try to minimize that because Hendrick's built on winning. It's built on having cohesiveness, not division, and also the fact that um, Larson's going after a championship. So is Elliot with the owners, but Larson can get the double for them, so can Byron. So... You know, try to pick and choose your battles. Maybe try not to door slam your teammate next time. Well, folks, before we wrap up putting perspectives, you know what time you know what time it is, right? It is winning time. So here on Winning Time, presented by Spoiler Diecast, I'm gonna give you my picks to win Bristol Motor Speedways races for the trucks, Xfinity, and Cup. So of course, on Thursday night, which as of this recording is coming up real soon, could be tonight when this podcast up gets uploaded. We know that for a fact, in the UNO 200, presented by Ohio Logistics, Ty Majeski is the defending race winner. And then on Friday, on Friday night rather, we have the Food City 300, which Noah Gregson won. He's not entered into this race, folks, but he has been recently reinstated, so we'll keep you posted on what happens with Gregson. And then, of course, the NASCAR Cup Series has the Bass Pro Shops Night Race, which Chris Buescher won. And uh, that is the race, of course, that Buescher put his name real as Christopher Buescher because Dale Jr. said the formal name instead of the, you know, Chris Buescher name during the Michigan Race telecast. So let's start off with Thursday night's race. So let's think about the fact that Christian Eck is in Ty Majeski. They've both been really fast. So has Grant Enfinger as well. I think you have to look at a driver like Carson Hosevar to get the job done because I remembered in the dirt race that, you know, Hosevar was really fast. He looked like he could win the race. Now, of course, we're back to the concrete. And Hosevar has really been impressive with the 42 Nice Motorsports truck and, of course, in the Cup Series for Legacy Motor Club. I say that Hosevar gets a very important victory in this round so he can think about going to Homestead a few months early. Or not Homestead. I think Carson Hosevar is going to win this race so he can think about going to Phoenix. And that will be quite nice because then he'll have about a month and a half to just think about racing for victories, not just racing for points. As far as Friday night's Food City 300 is concerned, you know, Josh Berry is a name that keeps standing out to me, folks. Uh, I know he hasn't won a race yet, but this is a hometown race for him besides Nashville. I'm sure he's going to be really fired up by the Volunteer States fans and just knowing that his time at Junior Motorsports is coming to an end. So I think the number eight team is going to be successful. And maybe Dale Jr. is going to be in the hunt too and try to challenge his teammate and soon-to-be former driver for the win. So could be a 1-2 finish for JRM on Friday night. As far as Saturday night's race is concerned for the Bass Pro Shops night race, I think it's going to be between Kyle Larson and probably... I'd say Kyle Busch. So those two Chevrolet drivers are going to duke it out. I think Larson prevails, builds momentum for the round of 12, so that realistically, I think he could probably go for another win next Sunday at Texas. But for now, I think Larson is going to win at Bristol. But what do you think, folks? 
Tell me what you think about my picks by messaging me on X or Threads or Instagram. My handles on those platforms is at Rob T. Yonkson. And of course, our general social media accounts on X, Threads, or Instagram is at the podium finish. Let me know what you think. And if you happen to get all the race winning picks right, I will get you a 2023 in-stock diecast car from SpoilerDieCast.com. Pretty simple, folks, and pretty fun, too. So now that you heard all my opinions and my race picks, I'm going to throw it on over to the hot seat. Welcome back to another edition of In the Hot Seat here on The Podium Finish and The Podium Finish Live. Rob Tiansen here with Daniel Hemrick, who is the 2021 NASCAR Xfinity Series champion and now the driver of the number 10 colleague racing Chevrolet Camaro entry in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. That's right, folks. Number 10, not number 11. But there's a good reason for that, which I'll let Daniel explain in a little bit. But uh, before we get started, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on and hope you're doing good as well. Absolutely. It's NASCAR playoff times by the time we get this on the air, but super excited, of course. And I know as of the race weekend leading into Kansas, there was some news where you're no longer in the number 11 for the rest of the season. You're in the number 10 car. Um, explain what's going on with that, why you're moving over to the 10 car. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot that goes into a decision like that. Obviously, you know, the 10 car has been shared majority by cup regulars. Um throughout the season and they've been fortunate enough to knock out a couple wins and be uh solid within the owner championship. And obviously as we get into this, uh, into the, the heat of the championship battle here, um, you know, once the playoffs start, those cup guys can't come run. You're trying to figure out, you have guys that are trying to get more Xfinity, um, Xfinity experience. And as that happens, you try to try to, you know, make a legitimate run at a championship, but you're doing it with the guys that are looking for that experience. Right. So you're trying to figure out how do you go about that in the right manner? Um, for us at Colleague Race, it made the most sense, you know, with my experience in the cars, within the playoff system, to move me to that car um, to try to go win the ownership championship for Matt Colleague. And then obviously on the driver's side, you're right, it's, it's a good opportunity for us to just go and do the same thing to win both. Um, and then take our guys that got to fill in, you know, that we're planning on running the 10 car. I know it's a lot. Follow me here. Plan on running the 10 car um, for the back half of the playoffs. They can get in that 11 car. Um, Hopefully they're twenty some points out going to the final race of the season. Um, hopefully they can get in the owners championship too and be great. But if they don't, then go uh, give that car a good run and try to get some experience. But yeah, as an organization, um, you know Matt Colley, Chris Rice, everyone preaches that one team. Um, there's there's no no you know no singling out the eleven car, the ten car, the sixteen car. They all share kind of by committee within you know, what the parts and pieces of the race cars are and, and uh, kind of what gets inputted into the race cars. So as you go through a process like that, you know, this is what worked best for us as an organization. And that's why the switch happened. It makes a lot of sense for sure, because that 10 car is high up in the OC uh, championship, of course. And of course, the 11 could be there too. Now, just for the fans at home who need to click some clarification, does this mean you're also going to bring your crew from the 11 to the 10 or are you working with the 10 crew as well? Uh, so I'm actually going to work with the 10 crew as well. Um, just out of just trying to shake it up. Uh, if you remember, uh, colleague racing, we did the same thing last year between myself and Landon Castle actually at this exact same weekend. So it's not completely un uncharted waters for us. Um, but 
the group and, and the groups collectively within all three of the our Xfinity cars work so close together. They literally have almost identical setups in all the cars every each and every week, every racetrack. That can be a strength or a weakness. Um, it more or less lets myself jive uh, with some different guys. And actually kind of back to the original group I was with here, you know, in 2022 on the Xfinity side. So um, it's going to be interesting how it plays out, but it's, uh, it's going to be good to see even the guys that are going to run now the 11 car um, throughout the playoffs to get in with some new people. And you never know what the future holds here at College Grayson as far as who's going to work with who and personnel. So it's a good way to get everybody meshing together. Certainly. But like you said, you're no stranger to change and you adapt very well to change. So I have no doubt that you're going to, yeah, you're welcome. I have no doubt you're going to do a great job once we get to the round of 12, but let's actually talk about you approaching the playoffs because as we mentioned before we started, you just have to start the car and bam, you're in the playoffs again. So you get another chance to go after your second championship in in three years. I mean, how confident do you feel about your chances to get another championship and continue your front running ways from the number 11 ride now in the number 10 car. You know, for me, obviously having that experience going through the playoffs, having to go through the rounds, um, kind of knowing what the priorities are, you know, week in and week out as you go through the rounds, obviously I have a, a lot of that um, experience, but you know, each year feels like its own, right. They all have little quirks that make them what they are. I feel like our raw speed um, could be a little better. And that would give us more opportunity, um, but it's a year where we're going to have to go execute at a very, very high level on all fronts in order to give ourselves a shot to advance to the rounds. But I also know that, you know, Collie Grayson and myself uh, are normally going these hot streaks and be able to put good weekends together um, one after another. So you just got to have your best at this time of the year. I've been fortunate to have had that happen before, and that's what we're preparing for. Um, we literally just got to have a, a, a company-wide lunch in where we had our uh, official hype man hype us up uh, within the lunch and just saying, let's go do it. Like we're done talking about it. We are what we are as a race team right now. You got to go execute and, and have our good days. And yeah, uh, I'm prepared for it. Our group's prepared for it and uh, ready to go to work. I, th- I liken it to what the Patriots went through in NFL from like 2001 to 2004. He might have had a bad season in 2002 for the Patriots, but in 03, Belichick got the team to say, you know what, we're in, we're, we've got what we got. Let's do the best we can if we do our job. And it seems like that's the same mission that Chris Rice and Matt Colley are delivering to you guys, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, of course, there's always strengths and weaknesses, but you try to try to know what those both are, identify them and do the best you can to maximize your days. No different than what you're talking about. For sure. I should have said Cleveland Browns because I know colleagues from Ohio. <laughs> so I didn't mean to go talk about the other team, but uh, hey, it's all good. We know we know what you meant from that, though. But, um, you know, you've been with Collie Racing since the start of 2022. How do you feel like this organization has helped you elevate your race craft to be an even better driver than the one that won the championship at Phoenix in 2021? You know, for me, I think there's a lot of layers to that question. Um, obviously, having a have a vice president, a team owner, you know, between Chris Rice and Matt Colley come and handpick you to come drive a race car and tell you to, that's your, that's your sole job. It's all you got to worry about. You know, that gives you a level of confidence in yourself. Um, and then it lets you delegate, you know, your time and resources throughout the week um, between that and being a part of the the Chevrolet program with Josh Wise and Scott Speed and our trainer, Dan Jansen, and all the folks that help us on the driving side. I think it's let me put so much more emphasis on that and, I think um, we've really seen some of the results, you know, over the last six, eight months, at least personally I have for myself, um, 
thought processes, um, you know, really how you're attacking a, a weekend or any particular moment throughout the race uh, with way less expectation, right? Like you drive race cars as long as I have, you find yourself expecting things and expecting cars to do this if you do this. And yeah, just um, like collectively between colleague racing and our, our, our program that we've been training in, like, yeah, you just try to try to limit those expectations and, and, and go and just uh, be aware of what's going on around you. And, and uh, yeah, it's just allowed me to, to grow um, on all aspects, you know, personally and professionally. And I've been thankful for that room to grow. Um, obviously, wish there were a lot more wins in the win column and so on and so forth. But, man, I, I just know I'm in a good place, um, you know, physically and mentally. And, and they've let me just be me. So uh, I'm thankful for that and look forward to seeing where it goes in the future. Sounds like a lot of off-track growth, which has helped you have success on the track. And I have to say during the summer, one of the things that really caught my attention was your ability to avoid those crashes and the last laps of those races at, I think, uh, Atlanta, I think of, where it was so crazy. I mean, and in New Hampshire, you avoided all the shenanigans and got a top five. I mean, when you think about those moments, like how, I know you want to get the wins, but when you get those top five finishes, is there a sense yeah. of satisfaction knowing like, hey, I did the best I can and I actually maximize on this opportunity. Yeah. I think it's about winning the day, right? Winning the day, winning the moment. Um, you know, those races you were talking about, we also followed up Pocono, same deal, green white checker at the end and came out, you know, with the top five. I think one of my main personal objectives um, has been to try to outfinish whatever my raw speed is that given weekend. I think that's a big win the day moment for me. Um, and I think, uh, as we sit here today, I think, uh, we're ranked within the top two or three of guys doing that. So I'm thankful, thankful for, you know, just the process, right. Like learning through, learning through times of failure and, and trying to become better from it. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's been fun to kind of go through this, this part of my life, this part of my career and, and, uh, still find ways and reasons to get up and try to push to be better every day. Certainly. I would actually say that you're like cold trickle when those moments happen. Like, <laughs> I, even though it was the last lap, I could imagine you in the radio saying, let's go. I'm through this. And so uh, Good <laughs> exactly. Now, one of the things you talked about this earlier, and I wanted to touch upon this further, you know, you feel like you've grown as a driver and as a person. And of course, this comes along with the territory that you have a pretty young teammate in Chandler Smith who's driving that 16 car this season after AJ Elmendinger raced it last year. What's it been like to work with him full time and see him flourish as a driver and also get colleague racing to be this formidable one, two punch with its full time drivers? Yeah, I think, you know, Chandler has got so much potential and he's obviously came in really, really just in a good place uh, with a lot of confidence and, and drove a race cars right to their ability from really the first test we had back last fall before, you know, 2023 season started. I think um, he's very knowledgeable about the race cars and he does a great job of just being on top of what the race car wants and needs at that particular time. And listen, you know, no different when I came into it, right? Like you have days where you knew you could have done better, made a couple of different decisions and had better results. But I think he's done a good job of, um, you know, just kind of going with it, man. And, and, uh, when he's got the opportunity, like he had at Richmond, he went and took it and, and won a race. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun to see him and that group, uh, that 16 group and then Bruce, you know, led by Bruce and, and, and Chandler have just done a great job of, of leading those guys. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of him. It's been fun to be his teammate this year. Certainly. And I think it's going to spill over to you guys just because I know college racing's um, motto is always uh, trophy hunting and winning races. And 
seems like everything's starting to come together in this most important part of the season, uh, which will be something we'll watch for sure on TPF, to say the least. Now, speaking of your leadership over at College Racing, what has been one of the most critical or best pieces of advice that you've received from Chris Rice and Matt Colleague that you feel like has empowered you when you're in your stock car? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, for me, I think it goes back to this is something I said last year was, you know, I, I come in here, you know, as my own person and my own personality and and right, wrong, or indifferent. Like, you know, I remember being around AJ Allmendinger the first couple of times I was around him, who's became a great friend of mine. Um, but realizing like, Hey, like I'm not AJ, I'm not AJ's, you know, I'm not his personality. I'm not as outspoken as he is. I'm not a lot of those things. And I feel like Matt and Chris both were very quick to like, Hey, we hired you because, because you're not that guy, because you are you, that's why we hired you. You be you, you do your thing. So yeah, I think that's just a good advice, not for just driving race cars, but just in general. So that's what I talked about earlier was just having the, the freedom to be me and do me and uh, enjoy that process. I like that. And that's something in society and life that I think we should all learn from is to be ourselves and embrace that because we want to be the best we can without having to be like someone else. So that's great yeah. that, you know, Chris and Matt let you be yourself for sure. Now, speaking of yourself, this is kind of a sort of um, esoteric question I'm going to ask you, but if you had the chance to go uh, have a chance to talk to your younger self when you were racing in the summer shootout at Charlotte Motor Speedway, what advice would you give yourself about what you've experienced with life and racing? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd probably just tell myself to just trust why you're doing it. And I know that's a very, very broad answer, but like there was so much of people around me, younger, older, um, who were going on and getting opportunities at other levels. And, and you're sitting there continuing to race at the same thing and you're trying to figure out you know, I didn't have a plan. Like I, I was just at the race shop from, you know, sun up to sundown and, and, and longer and just trying to go prepare for the next race and do the best you can and kind of rinse and repeat day after day, day in and day out. And, and, um, everybody asked about a plan. I just didn't have one, but I knew there was a reason I was showing up every day, putting the work in. And I would just, you know, tell myself to have confidence in, in doing just that, that at the end of the day showing up is, is the first step. And, and, um, yeah, just trust, trust why you're doing it and continue to push the same way no matter what. One day at a time. And I think that little boy from Kannapolis is pretty proud of the young man that you've become because you're not only a great race car driver and a champion, you're also a great family man because, you know, you and your wife, Kenzie, are raising your baby girl, Ren. And uh, I thought it was really neat on X when you shared that little post about her going to preschool, which I'm not a parent yet, but I have godchildren and they're in one's in second grade, one's about to go to preschool in a few years. How emotional was that for you to see Ren go to her first day of school? Yeah, it was, it was extremely emotional, right? They feel like you feel as a parent, like, oh my gosh, you can protect them. And, but when you start putting them into other environments, like they're a bit out of your control at that point. And you just hope that the people you've entrusted, you know, to put them with that they're going to help mold them and, and shape them into who you want them or who their potential to be is. And, um, so she was actually in preschool two days a year last year. Now she's in preschool four days a year, which she just started back yesterday. And yeah, it's just special to kind of see her grow and change and evolve. And, and, uh, yeah, it just gives you a little bit of confidence. I'm not going to lie that you're doing a little something right when you see them, you know, develop manners and develop the ability to have a conversation and all that stuff is probably bigger than any trophy and all that stuff you ever win. So yeah, between yeah, raising Ren and all of her, uh, 
she's three years old now, but we call her a three-nager is what she is. And uh, we have her little brother, Russin, who's now eight months old, and he's getting into all the stuff around the house. And it's fun to see their little dynamic that they share. And yeah, it's uh, for sure been, you know, top prize within our family and everything we do within our lives. It's the best achievement that any person can live through is to be a parent, to raise life into this world, because of course you're going to probably take some of your favorite moments, some of the best qualities from people you've loved as well as Kenzie. And y'all are going to have this child, these children that are going to be what you'd hope to be even better than you. And then that's, that's just a powerful feel feeling. Don't you think? Yeah. That's a, uh, it's a little scary actually. Yeah. That kind of, <laughs> but yeah, we're enjoying every minute of it. And it's all good. If you're not scared, that means you don't care. So no, I, I think so. it's a, it's a healthy dose of fear, my friends. So it's all good. Now, a couple more questions before I let you get going and get ready for Kansas. I know you don't have a lot of time to unwind because you're a parent, you're a race car driver, but when you do get to relax, how does a round of golf help you decompress from everything that you go through in life? Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot to that. I think, um, you know, everything we do in a race car is so reactionary and you can have a plan and, you know, a guy blocks you or you get in the fence or you don't, you know, wrap the bottom around the racetrack like you want to, like whatever it may be, right? You're Whatever happens next is the most important thing. And I think playing uh, around in golf, I, I try to play once a week when I can. Uh, sometimes it's two or three weeks. Um, but I tell you, I, I, I enjoy – I enjoy how similar they are, right? Like in golf, like, okay, you triple bogey the 18th hole or the 17th hole here, you're going to 18 with another another opportunity and a, another hole and another swing of the golf club. And the next shot is all that matters. And there's a lot of a lot of uh, similarities there uh, between the racing side mentality and, and the golf. So that's why I've kind of attached to it over the last, you know, seven, eight years. And um, it's been fun to experience that as well, you know, actually do that with, my team owner, Matt, and uh, our president, Chris Rice, and even AJ a couple times this year, we get together and play some golf. So it's been fun seeing everybody within those uh, within those mental, mental challenges you have within yourself during a golf round and see uh, see how it translates to the racetrack. Well, I can see the similarities already. Like you said, it's about getting the approach. And if you didn't get it right the first time, there's another opportunity to get it done right the next time, which is a lot like racing, yep. but kind of on a lighter note, who's the better of the golfers, you or AJ? Listen, AJ's... AJ's about, uh, was he eight or nine years older than I am and about 20 more years of golf experience, but I like to be able to keep him honest at this point. Um, <laughs> he sure has probably more golf potential, but I can almost keep him on the ropes just enough to make it fun. Um, so he's got me covered right now, but I can, I can poke the bear a little bit. Like he might listen to his in-car radio. I can get in the head a little bit. <laughs> so to say one of these days if i see you guys at pinehurst um we'll remember this conversation and then i'll ask aj what he thinks about this too oh goodness gracious okay for my last question for you and i'm having a lot of fun doing this by the way if you, yeah you bet if you had all kinds of money to build a racetrack anywhere around the world what kind of track would it be and where would it be Ooh, that's a great question that's a great question um yeah, I mean, it would be in North Carolina. I, I, I love, I love where I live. I, I love, I love the town I'm from. I, I love everything about our situation and all the, all the great things we have going for us in the United States. Right. So like for me, it, it would be here at home. Um, I think some kind of dirt road course, half dirt, half asphalt, uh, changing directions from different surfaces would be a, a cool dynamic, almost like a rally cross type of event. Um, 
be fun to give it a world of a different kind of car. I would love to see that actually. And that's something I've never imagined other drivers wanting to see. So yeah, I mean, if we can race on dirt in the cup and truck series, let's have a little bit of variety, right? In the Xfinity series, that, that'd be cool. Likes mixing it up. Let's do it. Exactly. Well, before we wrap it up, do you have anything you want to say to our fans and your fans as well? Oh, no, just uh, thankful for the support. Um, I lose track of how many years it's been that I've been fortunate to do this. So uh, to our partners, to Circle, everyone at Colleague Racing, all of our fans that follow both sides, you and I, like it's just fun to continue to do stuff like this and keep the dream alive uh, one day at a time. And that was Daniel Hendrick, driver of the number 10 Colleague Racing NASCAR Xfinity Series efforts. And he's in the round of 12. And we wish Daniel the best of luck as he goes after his second career NASCAR Xfinity Series Championship. Certainly, I'm sure all the folks at Kannapolis, North Carolina are going to be rooting him on for sure. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode, folks, because it's about time to go and wrap up episode number 87. So for Daniel Hemrick, I'm Rob Tionson. Thank you for joining me here on TPF Live, the world's fastest hour racing talk. Be sure to check out our past podcasts on any preferred podcasting platform of yours and next week on episode 88 we're going to preview texas and look back at bristol and of course i'll be there at texas so looking forward to getting plentiful content for you folks as we get ready to get further into the playoffs and think about pursuing a championship at phoenix maybe not me but i mean the drivers of course now as i always like to say on our podcast let's all go get that checkered flag and until next time So long, everyone.